Hello everyone and welcome to Gent. I think we've finally decided on the name. Uh, gaming ent entertainment news tonight instead of Gnut. So I'm sad to see the Gnut gone already. I'm joined by Manny. How are you, Manny? Hello, Gotti. I'm doing good. It's nice to have, you know, Gent put on by a couple of gents. Couple of gents. Couple of fucking gents. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't be a couple of newts, can it? No, no. Will it be toad spawn? No, 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 no. It's um been a less news-heavy week, I'd say. Lots of little things. Lots of stuff coming to games we like and maybe don't like. I'm not sure. But the first news of the week is something for our attention. Something to do with EU Article 13 with IPs or something? Please explain. Oh, oh this is great. So the European Union is changing its rules for... Uh for copyrights and what they're doing is they're making sites responsible for the content that is up on their sites now that seems pretty straightforward but when you start looking at things where various users upload stuff to the site and it's not you know fully uh filtered or curated by the site owners yeah you can start getting into trouble so this I, is where I instantly right. think Let's Plays. Are we talking that kind Let's of content play. on YouTube? You know, like playing a game, talking over it, but it's not really yours? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a fight about transformative content and everything. Mm. Uh, commentary and satire and that sort of thing. But even something like if you are playing a game on Twitch. Uh-oh. <laughs> And so, let's say somebody up uh, gets like I don't know a pirated copy, or is playing a uh, bootleg version, or is on a private server for a game where they shouldn't be on a private se server. Twitch wasn't liable before this; it, they did not take any legal responsibility for this. Same thing with YouTube. But now, with these changes to uh, the European Union's laws. They would be legally responsible. That's really interesting so, because the whole point of it, I like understand why they're doing it. Like it, it just it just seems like how it should be, but it does fuck over like stuff I enjoy, especially YouTube, which. Oh yeah, and I think it it's it really is kind of empowering the copyright holder, but at too large a cost because what's going to happen is that these companies are obviously going to take the path of least resistance uh -huh. and what does that mean it means that they either put a heavy filter in those regions so anybody in the european union you cannot view any content until it's been verified by staff so when something comes out God. it might be months before you see it yeah that's um Sounds a little bit like China. <laughs> you know how China... The, the Great Firewall of China. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know much about China, so I'm not going to presume that this is what happens, but from what I understand, uh, the government pretty much has a hand in absolutely everything you can find, and it needs to go through them before it comes to you, and I think last week we touched on there's such a backlog in games at the moment over there because they need to review them before they put them online. And they just, they just, they they can't do it fast enough. Um, that it, it's kind, of, it's very scary. I'll admit, the idea that something so freeform and creative like YouTube, which starts to become something that governments need to go through first of all, is scary. Well, it wouldn't even be the government doing it; it would be the company doing it. And because it's the company doing because they want to avoid the legal, legal issues shit. that might come up from it, they will obviously implement it to make sure that everything is blocked until they can verify. But it is likely that a lot of things that they don't see as very profitable will get pushed further and further down the list, whereas other companies may have a priority where it's like Nintendo of America says, green light our channel, you know our stuff is good. And then you get what might actually scarily be a two-tier system on 
Twitch and YouTube and oh all my these God. websites. Uh oh. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I get it because it fair enough. You want to make sure people's intellectual property and copyright is theirs, but at the same time, just with how the media works, it is not in our favor. Our us being the consumers of this types of products and perhaps people who want to try doing Twitch and YouTube themselves if you live in Europe. Definitely. This is a very precarious situation. Um, a lot of it depends on the wording of the law. Uh, there are definitely petition groups as well as, in fact, Twitch got members of government to do a Twitch stream streaming <laughs> Mario Kart in oh order to God. bring awareness to this. So, you are seeing them trying to bring to light what the implications might be if this passes with the wrong wording, with the wrong, with it falling on the wrong side of the fence. And that's where, where that situation is now. So, we will see what happens, but hopefully those people in the EU, uh, they talk to their local their local or i guess at this point it's going to be a write-in sort of campaign might be the best way to make sure things are done in a way that respects copyright but also does not put such an onus as to damage consumer rights it's too it's too much of a blanket rule for it to be effective for all parties as are most rules nowadays where it's just uh nope you can't do this nope you can't do that Nuance in law, it's a thing. Yeah, and it but, should be. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely something that will be looked at and revisited, and um, we will see where it lands, definitely. I am taking a look at this, and hopefully when an actual ruling is, when it's actually brought into uh, enforcement, We'll see where this hap- uh, where this happens to land. Because Article Thirteen's been going on for a while, right? Like the past few months. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been, been it's been pretty it's been a pretty long going sort of thing. That sort of was a worry. They didn't know the exact wording. It's being drafted. That brought it up, and then now, it as it's getting closer to being ratified and to being put into law, it's now being brought back into the spotlight. So, can we talk about something a little bit lighter? Yes, let's move on to fun. Oh, yes. So, lightsaber duels are now recognized by France's Fencing Federation. Oh, the two sides of Europe. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that this is so hokey and what in the world are they doing? And they're like, yeah, you work up a good sweat with it. And, and honestly, I'm just thinking of <laughs> two people cosplaying out of shape being like, hey, hey, zip, zip. Yeah, well, that's me. And, <laughs> and then I saw a video of a, light, a sanctioned lightsaber duel. And there is sport in this. The blades that they use actually have contact, do make the sound. Yay! Um, That's very important. There is gem- There is like gymnastics involved in this. This is not like OT, Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fights. This is like prequel leaps, jumps, evasion, try and push somebody out of the ring uh, with, with uh, your lightsaber, or actually make contact. So, wow, I am actually impressed, and maybe in some time in the future I'll, like, check out a lightsaber duel. Oh, and you can see it on Twitch before Article 15 comes in. <laughs> uh, my question I'll be is... fine, I live outside the EU, so I can totally watch well, this. But they couldn't stream it from France, could they? Unless they it gets... could stream it if... from France, they just couldn't stream it into France. Uh, oh, fuck me. What a, what a, what a workaround. Um, my big question about this is, what happens when people want to do the Darth Maul double lightsaber style? Is that going to be allowed? Because I can see there being 
definitely being a meta game of double-ended lightsabers in this sport. <laughs> or lightsaber nunchucks or whatever yeah. new new lightsaber that they make. But the, the one Grievous. that I saw... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody gets their arms modified to be General Grievous-like. Yeah. But the the battle that I saw, the gentleman, one of the gentlemen was using a two-sided lightsaber. And they managed, they managed to actually be fended off by somebody with a single-handed. So maybe there is some uh, skill to it. I don't know why. what the kind of rule enforcement would be, where it's like, okay, you can use two lightsabers, and your points are worth half as much. You can use a double-sided lightsaber, and we put this much of a, a handicap on your points. Or you can use like the, the uh, Count Dooku saber, and we'll give you points for style. Maybe yeah, maybe it's like a morality thing where like if you play if you use things that evil characters used in the movies, then you get penalized, but you have the advantage because you're evil. Because the evil guy, the evil guys always got the best tech, best technology, right? The good guys always the underdog. This is true. This is true. Unless it's bad. Skywalker did really just pieced it together his own little lightsaber. Yeah. Well, he came, he came into like what was that snow planet was getting getting raided by the massive four legged machine people and the little uh flying Hoth and eighty eighties yeah and now I'm those. worried that my friend John is gonna hear and be like <laughs> how can you not know that but he he goes in and like the the pilot the rebel fighters the pilots are all sitting there he just joins in and goes I know how to calibrate that <laughs> like just it's one of my favorite parts of the movies where he turns up and just acts like a dickhead towards these, like, trained soldiers being trained for, like, 20 years and he just walks in because he's got a fucking gift. <laughs> just starts acting like he knows what the fuck he's talking about. I love Luke. I love him so much. Oh. I Favorite favorite movies the ones with him in it. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> Does that include episode, uh, 8? I've not watched the new ones. Ooh. No, I like... I I watch them in order of release, not chronological order. So I watched four, five, and six, then one, two, and three. This was this was another, as we talked about earlier, with Mass Effect, which we'll get to later. But I I didn't watch them all until they basically all became available twenty years later, <laughs> and then watched them all. So okay, yeah. Um, I I liked them. I liked them a lot, mostly because of Leia and Han. But oh, my voice just broke there. Well done, me. Uh, <laughs> I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, the uh, now final part, episode nine of the new trilogy, will be coming out uh, this year. They finished uh, filming, and they actually showed some nice little pictures of that. Ooh, la, la. Uh, so that is on its way, and once that's complete, and the third trilogy has been uh, completed uh i'm hoping maybe you sit down and give me your uh take on this because those movies have had their detractors and absolute fans yeah i mean it'll really depend because i, I feel like a lot of more modern media i watch especially movies tends to be a lot more actiony as opposed to nuanced story so and i'm a big fan of like the subtle craft of storytelling shall we say, as opposed to like, boom, bang, a bang, I explode you now, mega dark attack of destruction, which I see a lot in like, especially games nowadays as well. Ah, that's okay, interesting. So can we talk about a game with like, such amazing detailed storytelling? Oh yeah, fucking Overwatch. <laughs> yeah! Amazing storytelling in that game, holy shit. I'm just floored. <laughs> Remember the time where Anna snipe someone and then soldier 76 was gay that was a great story that was one of my favorites uh, yes <laughs> yes, yes. So, this, such a rich tapestry and such a great... they keep just giving us more and more yeah. but what they actually have given us is their newest hero and i'm gonna let you try and pronounce this because i'm horrible baptiste. baptiste okay baptiste and this is hero number 30 Yes. He's Loash, not Loatian. There's there's a there's a country starting with L, I think, and he's from there. I can't remember. I apologize humbly. Please don't crucify me. 
but I don't think he's low Asian. He's some. He's somewhere. Well, <laughs> he's from somewhere. In my hot take of this is that he's like the anti Reaper. He's the bad guy turned good, where he was sitting on the uh, sitting on the wrong side of the fence, having a hard done life, fell in with with the wrong crew just to survive, and then realized that no, he had a choice the entire way through, and he still has choices to try and make the world better. So he threw off the the Talon uniform and now fights the good fight. What a what a groundbreaking story we have here. I'm just I'm already love it. <laughs> More importantly well, than his story though, is the fucking abilities, my dude. Have you seen the abilities this absolute madman possesses? Have you I seen them? I love these abilities. Like it's definitely I thought after um I apologize, I can't remember the the robot's name, the four-legged quadruped Oh, What's Arissa. Arissa. Yes. After Arissa, I thought they had sort of started designing themselves in a corner because a lot of those abilities were just iterations of other people's abilities in different yeah. ways. Yes. <laughs> but these are new abilities. These are new ways of handling things. Uh, and I guess the healer meta, as it were, has more room because there's such, such a small amount of healers. But I just... His movement ability is the one that I thought was just really good. The oh, spring the jump, yeah. <laughs> the boing, the spring jump. That's that's new and like not a grappling hook, not a like wall run, not a uh, double jump, which I'm expecting to see somewhere down the line. Just to like, yeah, charge it and get your elevation. And there's a bit of a delay. He's not super mobile, super quick with his mobility, right? It gives him a completely different feel than a lot of the characters, even if he was just another DPS. So, like, I love that. He's definitely unique enough to stand out from some other releases. My issue comes from the potential balance problems of having an ability that makes it so people can't die is his E. Like a life field thing. Pops it down. I think you can destroy it, but when it's down and your friendly friends are in the area, you cannot they cannot be reduced below a certain amount of max health. I think it's like ten or something. And it just stays there. I see issue with this, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but from what I saw from the immortality field, right, it was like and again, it's another sort of Reinhardt shield where instead of it just completely absorbing the damage, it just creates a threshold. But can you shoot from a different angle and ignore it? No. You cannot. My main okay. problem with this and I think the move would be a lot fairer if it was an ultimate. And you might be thinking if you don't know about this character, oh I thought this was the ultimate. No, it's his bloody E ability. If they swapped this with his ultimate, I think it would be a lot less worrisome. But the idea of having these these non-ultimate abilities tend to have a fairly short cooldown. We can assume it's something like 15-20 seconds, I think is what they probably put it at. Um, this is going to be fucking scary. Especially because good players will put it in places that are very hard to kill. Oh yeah, but I think that it will change the meta a bit where characters like Junkrat or Farah will now be good counters because they can displace people outside of the field. And the abilities should still have an effect, just not the damage. Yes. It's just it seems so busted bonkers broken to me. And I haven't had that reaction to a lot of other heroes. Like Brigitte ended up being busted bonkers broken, pretty much destroyed the game for a while. I didn't see her as OP when she released and when she was revealed. This guy I do. And that may be a I have bad judgment sort of thing, but it's a reaction I've seen from a lot of other people as well, is, hey, this seems nuts. This seems nuts for not an ultimate, because it sort of puts his ultimate to shame, really. 
when you think about it. The I sheer like the power. Ult- oh, the ultimate's cool as fuck. But it doesn't stop people from dying. You know what I mean? It just seems yeah. so... Like I think there's a lot of ways to balance it. I think that if it absorbs a certain amount of damage and then gets shut down, so if it's under concentrated fire, um, it'll shut down faster. If it is something where it can prevent X amount of damage in a, in a period of time, so even if... Um, it lasts uh, last a while. It just has like an internal cooldown of like you won't be reduced below ten percent as long as you don't take more than X damage within the within five seconds, right? And yeah. therefore, right? Or it, it just or it's just a matter of um, what he gives up when doing it. If it becomes like he becomes channeled, where he's channeling the ability. And therefore, you can displace him and sh- totally shut it off. That would be a lot weaker. So I think there are ways to balance it. Uh, again, I I know it wasn't challenged because in the vi- in the video, it really looked like he was just sitting there saying like, "Ha ha, you can't kill me," and then moves on in his merry way. I think the problem here is you're relying on Blizzard to balance something, and that can be difficult. <laughs> okay, half face. <laughs> like I'm armchair designing, and I came up with a a bunch of different ways to like balance that without completely taking away the fact that it could stop somebody from <laughs> from dying. So, I think there is stuff there. I know that with the entire uh resurrectability for mercy, they took a couple of different attempts at it and and different tries to try and make that work as an ultimate before actually moving it away from an ultimate to make it balance. So, this could be a similar thing where as an ultimate it would be too powerful to be balanced as an ultimate, and so they moved it to a regular ability to make sure that it was weak enough to be balanced while still being impactful. Yeah, we'll have to see, but my big fear is it ends up being so nutty, he's like a pick in every comp, your entire team's designed around it, you can dive in or just camp out places because you can't die, and it will take a while for them to fix it. Similar to Brigitte, and Mercy took like, I think like a year or two to get her new ultimate and shit. So, like, they can balance stuff, it's just, they tend to take their time, and that can be a yeah. problem. With I, I like that they... I like that they keep trying. Like, that they don't just leave things as is. They go, okay, we're gonna look at it, we're gonna collect data, we're gonna, we're gonna look at it again. Uh, I think that's cool. And overall, with his abilities, he is a very point-control hero, Yes, definitely. None of his abilities really line up with, like, I'm going to, like, escort this payload because you're going to leave your immortality field behind you. You're going to leave the ultimate, which is the amplification field. You're going to, like, cross onto the wrong side of that um, eventually, and that could cause issues. So he's definitely a point control, and he looks strong for that. Um, Just realized we haven't actually talked about what a gun does. The left thing is a grenade you lob, the right thing is a healing grenade. So left click for damage grenade, right click for heal grenade. It's a cool idea. I like that. And the amplification field is a square holographic field you put down, and anything that goes through it has double the healing or double the damage. So, for example, an Anna snipe, if you hit the enemy Reinhardt, it will deal double damage. If you hit the friendly Farah through the field, it will do double healing. Basic premise. Yeah. I like everything as kit, especially the jump. I just think the E's really problematic. I don't use that word often, even though I complain a lot. No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be tricky to balance, and we'll see where it ends up. He is on the PTR now, right? Yes, he is. So definitely something that maybe uh, we could give a couple of attempts after the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, all right. Why not? I mean, I still have Overwatch. I just have no one to play it with. Well, there you go. That's what this show's about. Play, exploring games that we're playing. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll do that talk. as my mission until PoE comes out. <laughs> I, I'm currently sucked into PoE, so maybe I'll just oh, do yeah. PoE. <laughs> 
But talking about games that we play, uh, World of Warcraft is finally getting the last allied races that were actually promised <laughs> in the coming ex- uh, coming patch. That's going to be on March 12th. We're going to get patch 8.1.5, and we will get Kul Tiran humans and the Zandalari trolls, finally. Yeah, you get the British, and you get, like, the mega trolls, basically. Finally. I mean, these guys were on the cover-up for the game, weren't they? Like, in the advertisement? And they have been featured prominently throughout the game. You just haven't been playing them. Hmm. Now... I'm of two minds about this. The first is, I like it when they stratify their content smartly, and I think this is smart on their part, because the launch for BFA has been at best shaky. The downside, and the reason I think so many people are salty about it, is it was sort of implied through the advertisement of the game, and the reveal of them, that they would be available a lot fucking sooner than eight months into the game. (laughs) Or six months, however long we're into it. It it's been quite a trip, a long strange journey, if you will. But again, I I agree with you. My biggest thing about the allied races is that none of them have really had any chance to shine. It was less of an issue when you were introducing races that you had spent an expansion working along beside with the uh, high mountain Torren, with the light uh, light uh, born or rather light Drenai. Yeah. yeah, and a Nightborn. These were races that were established, that you got their story, that you truly fought beside, and then they became allied races. So that was less of an issue. With the Maghar Orcs and Dark Iron Dwarves, they kind of just feel tossed in. Yes, they at very this much point. do. That's how it felt for me coming back to the game for a month and having access to those. I was like, what the fuck? Why are we allied with these all of a sudden? <laughs> is what I said to myself, because it came out totally left field. It's cool. Definitely. I like having more options. I'm a big believer in more options is never bad. That's why I'm such a big fan of Path of Exile. But it seems just so left field compared to the rest of them. That and the Void Elves as well. The Void Elves kind of came out of uh, nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I get these aren't full races like they had done with the Draenei, with the Blood Elves, and so and so on from uh, from BC. These are lesser to an extent, but I feel that that's no reason to re- like to give them such a disservice in the story. Yes. I feel like they if you they're coming in and they're being allies and they're contributing, they should make a difference in the storyline. And and again, they are just. Too many, even the ones that we originally worked with in Legion, have been pushed to the side and basically not heard from again. And I would want some more spotlight put on them. Especially High I Mountain would want to see. I saw nothing of High Mountain Tauren in this expansion, other than being able to play one. Honestly, if you're dealing with an expansion that is talking about the faction war and redefining these factions and there's all this fresh new blood in the factions you should be looking at how each culture each race is viewing the faction and what they want out of the faction and and so what the what the alliance is to the Draenei is different than what the alliance is to the dark iron dwarves what the horde is to the high mountain is different than what the the horde is to the undead and that's the kind of like nuance that is sorely lacking in bfa but as far as shinies go these races are so good yeah they are the the totems the animations the honestly i i wasn't really on the bandwagon for the Zandalari trolls until I went on to PTR and just race changed my shaman over and saw the animations and uh, and just like oh man like you know this really proud like almost arrogant yes right? but proud solid upright troll just feels different from the way uh, the way he uh, 
acts, the way he animates, and they've done such a solid job with that. The Colterans are the same way. Like, they are not like the Allied races because they took far more development time. They are not a remastered rig. They are a completely new creation, and it shows. They are incredibly well-realized for the males. The Colterian humans... Sorry to interrupt, but they feel almost not like an allied race. They feel like their own thing, like a proper race, almost. Because in many respects they are. Yeah. Right? They they were not made from an old skeleton. They are not um, reusing any animations like the... Uh, like the Nightborn are, right? And they have had this entire storyline revolving around them. And to the Zelda, uh, the Zandalari credit, they have also had a storyline revolving around them. So they, so like, they do feel very uh, strong and different. When you are playing a Maghar orc, you're playing a regular orc with new customizations. Yes. And if they had taken the time to just say, okay, we're going to give these Magar orcs their own animations so that they feel different from the other orcs, that might be something. And I think that might be something that they need to look at when they are dealing with uh, the allied races from now on, that yes, you can use the skeleton, but maybe you need to look at the animations to help differentiate them so that they're not just emancipated night elves or <laughs> color, exactly color they swapped they're like skinny elves yeah yeah or like color swapped blood elves or horns yeah. but with uh moose antlers yes that's it and that's all that that's is it. <laughs> and a sexy sexier man voice <laughs> that's all that is <laughs> Yeah, so I'm looking forward to maybe them finding maybe a middle ground for the allied races and hopefully no more allied races for a while so that they yes. can flesh out and build on the allied races that they have because we now have eight, eight new allied races in the course of a single expansion. That is a huge ensemble cast if you're just dealing with the faction leaders themselves. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and they have not, like we said, put in the nuance with stories so far, and I think adding more and more is just going to make allied races seem a lot less special. I think they already do feel a lot less special. I feel the reason why people are excited for Zandalari Trolls and uh, the big, big humans is because they seem... So individualized and actually have some character to them. They're not just straight up copies of other races. I think that's very And important. maybe part of it is the weight, is that like there was a buildup to it. There was a bit of hype around them. There was something that you had to work towards to unlock them that you didn't just get day one for pre-ordering that make them a, a lot more special. Yeah, I agree. So... That's where we're at with Warcraft, and there's a lot of great things coming. It's getting new uh, stuff. Just, Hallelujah. Yes. That's good. Yes. and it's good news. Um, hopefully this is uh, BFA turning a corner, and th there's a lot more good stuff to come. You know, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, you can, just, you can only just wait and see. Um, I, I like that they're not giving up on the expansion. I'll say that. I have, I have many issues with the expansion. But I appreciate them trying to fix everything they can. So kudos oh. where it where it deserves to go. Definitely, definitely. Now you had put this about Fortnite season eight. I'm not a Fortnite player. Oh, neither. But but everyone yeah. else is though. <laughs> <laughs> Competition breeding excellence, where Fortnite has seen the rise of Apex and now has sort of tailored season eight to take a lot of cues from Apex with the respawn system, an improved ping system, and a lot of the things system. that we were... Just to cut yeah. you off that quick, isn't in the game yet, but there's a lot of evidence to show that it is coming in with stuff like a vehicle, similar in Apex, where you've got that like three-legged machine beacon thing 
there are signs of a vehicle that lets you respawn people, and then when you when it's been respawned, it goes away like it does an apex. There's signs of that, but it's not in the game yet. But mm. the stuff they have added in is definitely the new ping system, which is much more robust than it ever used to be. I don't think they even had a ping system. Um, the ping system in Apex Legend is the best feature in that game, hands down, in my opinion. I have never seen a game have more intuitive uh, communication tools than Apex Legends. And I feel like it's why it's such a successful game at the moment, for the environment and the type of game it is, where a lot of people are playing it by themselves, getting matched with three random people, you have an amazing ping system that just helps so much. I feel that games, especially PvP games with a lot of salty people, often end up being because of a bad communication system. This solves a lot of issues, because you can just ping absolutely everything. I'm going here. Someone's been here. There's an item here. Let's loot here. I want to go here. There's, difference between, there's differences between I want to go here and I am going here. You know what I mean? It's so nuanced, and it's great. And I'm very happy to see that Fortnite, the king of battle royales, because it still is, it just has a very big competition with Apex at the moment, it has not been knocked off its off its pedestal, pedestal is yeah. taking the good parts of Apex Legend. And I'm very happy about that, because there's nothing worse than the game that has Monopoly on the genre resting on its laurels, Diablo 3. How dare you? <laughs> But I'm very, I'm very happy to see it, and nothing makes me happier than seeing games take good, take the goodness from other games and make it their own, and become better games for it, and bounce off each other. I think it's, I think this is very, very good for battle royales, and I think it's going to mean we're still going to see some big surprises with battle royales, maybe even another Apex or Apex evolving even more to combat this or to compete against it. I think it's very exciting. I'm very happy to see this. Definitely. I I have to 100% agree with everything that you're saying. It is a big kudos that Fortnite is adapting so quickly and taking note and being that agile to adapt to to what's happening in the genre. Oh yeah. It's it's great. It's really good to see uh because I've grown up with so many games that are online but take like so long to change and by the time they change it's too late and i'm glad to see these snappy let's try new ideas now and change it and iterate upon it as we go along as opposed to waiting to try and make the perfect product but it being too late i think mm. this is games as a service as in its best form i think these types of games definitely and Free to play too, yes. with like the microtransactions fueling it through, is kind of more of a kudos because it's not like a they paid up front and then and then they were laboring to do it or that it was a seasonal pass and they didn't change it until they felt they had to to get people to renew a season's pass. So good on them. You want to move on to Pokemon, my friend? Oh. Do I ever? <laughs> Honestly, okay, Pokemon has a soft sp spot for me. I just, or rather, I have a soft spot for Pokemon. I played this game way back in the day for, like, you know, red and blue. I played it for a while before I thought that I was done with it. <laughs> and I really thought I was done with it. And then the trailer for Pokemon Sword and Shield comes out. And I'm sucked right back in, Gotti. I... Based in Scotland and England is where it's based. And it's an upside-down UK, I think, is the map, is what they've done. You start in Scotland, and you make your way up to London. <laughs> it's genius. And it's a fully realized Pokemon in, in, a, in a 3D world... And yes, they have done this on the con uh, sorry on the uh, mobile before, like you know, game Game Boy or 3DS or whatever platform form it is. But it's it's just it's sucking me in, and I I don't even own a Switch, and now I'm sort of like oh, you're gonna have to. Now I have to go budget to <laughs> buy a console for one game. 
And this is a definition of a system seller. For it's me, so the system weird. seller was Smash. I got a Switch just for Smash, but now that I have the system, I'm like, I will definitely get the new Pokemon game. If you get it, I'll get the opposite Pokemon um, game to you. Like, if you get Sword, I'll get Shield, and then we can trade. See? It's genius. Perfect. Fucking perfect. And they socialize it, and they use your friend codes, and... <sighs> Man... I'm like, excited now. I'm how really much? Excited. How much information have they actually released about this game? Because outside of the trailer and the names of like the uh, new Pokemon, Pokemon, yeah, the starter Pokemon, That's and of course like the fact that we know that the region's called uh, Galore or Galore or whatever, <laughs> Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow. <laughs> uh we don't know that much, but they, but the hype is there for me, and that is very strange because I'm usually a little less. Uh, Hyped. Oh, it's just Nintendo games. I, I the games I'm most excited for whenever they come out that are on a console are always Nintendo games. Don't know why. I couldn't really put a pin on it. Um, I think it appeals to the whole like they are fairly child-friendly games, but I like that. I like games that are just fun and whimsical, and Pokemon is with a deep, nuanced uh battle system and collection game that adults like us can enjoy. I think it's great. I'm really looking forward to it. Because I am as well. Last Pokemon game I played, I played uh, Fire Red and Leaf Green when I was about six. Uh, <laughs> I played Pokemon Emerald. I played Pearl, I think when the Nintendo DS came out. And then I played uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun when I got a Nintendo 3DS, which wasn't too long ago. That was about two years ago, I think I bought it. That's that's the Pokemon I've played, and I've enjoyed every single game. It's been really good. They've they've comparably different, but they always. It's always like a differently framed story or environment with the same idea of collect them all, make a great team, uh, have pretty nuanced strategies for how many limited moves you have with only four and having six Pokemon to choose from. It's always a good time. Definitely. It's always accessible, but fun to master it all and find all the little intricacies when you de- dive deep into it. Oh yeah, totally. Like, people have tournaments around this kind of shit. There's like kind of an eSport around it, right? And before that, I had my own little uh, high school group that did Pokemania. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. But, Gotti, what have you been playing this week into here and now. Oh, I've been I've been on a real roller coaster of gaming emotions because I have gone from playing RuneScape to deciding it's way too grindy, so I'm gonna go play a game that has a similar uh like a similar progression system, which is Skyrim, to going and deciding I'm sort of done with Skyrim, uh, because the combat's not there for me. They decide that maybe I'll look at Borderlands 2, and then I found a Borderlands 2 mod, and I tried installing that, but it was too complicated, so I gave up. And so that's been, like, my journey, but I've had three specific games that I've actually played properly and will continue to play. And the first one is the Civ Six expansion. I've been playing more of it with a friend. Um, I'm still fairly unsold with the expansion. I think it's good. I think it's way fucking overpriced for what it is. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I'd still wait for a sale. Uh, but what I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying. Um, it's been hilarious because we're at the stage now where we're just burning fossil fuels and they added in a climate system. And I am a coastal civ. I am Phoenicia led by Dido, so like kind of Carthage, basically. So I just have lots of uh, coastal cities with docks, and the sea level is rising. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I had my capital sunk, so I had to move it, and now my new capital got sunk because he's just he's just made seventy like ironclads and is just chugging the atmosphere with CO two. It's it's hilarious. Don't do this IRL, but it's great in game. <laughs> oh no! I remember you telling me when your first uh, city flooded and you had to like move up the road, and it was like barren and garbage. Yeah, and the barren and garbage one got flooded as well. It's fucking awful. 
Oh, oh my god. Yeah. But good riddance of that. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been playing? For me, I've restarted the Mass Effect trilogy, the original oh. Mass Effect trilogy. And we had we had mentioned this earlier on, but yeah, it's just a fun nostalgia trip for me right now. I am playing on I started playing on the hardest difficulty and got frustrated because I would get sniped and it was just a little, little artificially hard. So I yeah. lowered the difficulty. Yeah, it's a bit difficult I, at that. <laughs> yeah, I am just loving it. Like I forgot that Mass Effect One was so RPG compared to the later two. Oh yeah, Mass Effect One. Like I, I, I think I, um, we meant we talked about this off, off, off the podcast before. But I played through all three of them in not a sitting because that's impossible, but in a row, pretty, pretty back to back. Uh, like five years after three came out, but I never played them, and the differences in the games, but taking the same character, like one's got the best RPG, two's got the best character, and three has the best graphics. That's what I felt. Okay, so when we were talking about this, we also discovered that you hadn't played any of the DLC for these games. No, I have not. I just had the base games. And normally, I don't care. But <laughs> with Mass Effect, those DLCs are quite something to enjoy. Especially, especially the Citadel DLC for Mass Effect 3. The Citadel DLC was such a send-off for the entire cast and crew. It was like a love letter written out to fans from the developers saying, like, let's have that one last party day, one last bit of lightheartedness where everybody gets to, like, have their little bit of interaction before the game ends. Oh, I see. I was wondering about that because I thought it might have been, like, after, well... My ending was really bad. <laughs> um, I wasn't coming back. You only that played ending. through it once. Yes, I've only played through it once. Um, you know when that kid comes to you and is like, "The Reapers are my pets," and it's like, "I created the world and now I will destroy it, but you must choose the row." I had that right. Yeah, I shot him and, just uh... to see what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that wasn't in the original release. In the first couple of months, he was invulnerable to damage and wouldn't do anything. And then they patched in the you pissed him off ending. <laughs> That's what I did. I didn't think it would. It wasn't like my reaction of, oh, fuck you, I'm going down with the ship. Um, I, I just like wanted to see what would happen. And my character, who looked ridiculous, just started like angrily shooting at him while he went pathetic and snapped his fingers and the universe just ended <laughs> like, all this effort what was your galactic readiness oh i don't know like 50 or something oh okay, we didn't okay. we didn't get absolutely shrecked um i didn't do any there was like a multiplayer aspect that made like the war resources go up or something i didn't have any yeah. of that but like when we when we like flew into earth we we did it successfully we had that big fuck off um Who's the freaky, freaky blue bitches, <laughs> as I called them? <laughs> the uh, Asari? The Asari, that like big chunga ship with like the cannon that's the size of a planet. I had that. That was my favorite ship. Oh, such a good game. I'm so, I'm, I'm happy it, you're playing it again because I loved my first playthrough. The cultures are so realized, like how each race is, it uh, has everything and how it's evolved. The like, different planets and how like they are structured and oh, honestly like just the teammates i i have only ever disliked one teammate and i mean there have been teammates that have been sort of like milk toast that i've that i haven't really bothered with milk toast <laughs> but there was one dlc character who was like Mr. Generic, I'm a renegade, and I don't get along with the rest of you. And I just got so tired of him. I and this was in Mass Effect Two. Ah, uh, yeah. So you're going on the suicide mission, and 
I'm going through and I'm getting to 100%, and then I decided not to do his loyalty mission because I couldn't deal with him. <laughs> and then I go into suicide mission and I'm like, wait a second, I know what to do. And I willingly sent him knowing he would die and was happy not to get 100% on the suicide mission. Oh my god. I um, I did the suicide mission great apart from the first one where you have to go through the pipes and uh, is it Talia? Yeah. And is like, oh, Shepard, I know many things about the pipes. So I'm like, all right, go in then. <laughs> and she just <laughs> she came out the other side. Zap, like, zap, 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 zap. Yeah, like Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Oh. That, was my, so that then... was my only mistake that entire run was having her die because she was like, I am technological. And I'm like, okay, well, you can do the tech part. No, she can't do the fucking tech part. Send the robot in. That's what I learned. <laughs> oh, did you play it again and get the robot in? No, I just looked it up. Like, who's supposed to be where and why? Well, actually, if you do her loyalty and you're, and you're set up enough, you can actually get her to survive that mission. Oh, really? Oh, I just, yeah. I just wasn't a biggest fan then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> the other thing is that she's a romance option in number two. So if she had survived, she becomes a bigger part of, of uh, episode two. See, as or, a... Uh, as a gay person, I did not romanticize the woman. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I was gonna say actually, I'm pretty sure like the big the big gay relationships you could have were in like Mass Effect Free. I I remember one in particular, it was like it was like almost like the, the team's taxi driver. He would like take you down in his little like Jeep space jeep thing and go, Alright, get off onto the planet now. You could end up romanticizing him. And I remember it being the most, like, baseline gay emotion thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> just, you're just dancing in a club and you just go, well, you like to suck dick? And he's like, yeah, I like to suck dick. And then, like, that's, <laughs> that's the point. That's, like, oh. the meshing moment. My my romance was with Jack. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> but she was damaged, and I, I was just like, "Yep." <laughs> I don't. I I fell into it like I was just going down. Like, a, no, you don't have to be the, uh, like this. People care, and then it became a romance option. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm going down this path. I guess. Oh, I rejected her, and then whenever you go and talk to her about the Reaper, she's just like, "Fuck off." <laughs> I remember that. I thought I'd broken it, but no, it just turns out she doesn't take rejection well. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, she's. So, did you see her in three when she's like actually grown out here and she's teaching? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, she was not too happy with me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. But again, just a game that I can go back and play after all these years, and I'm loving it all over again. So I'm very happy to be playing that right now. Oh, I wish... Uh, the, the reason why I go back to games like Skyrim and RuneScape is to experience what I experienced the first time playing them. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like going back to a game you played a while ago, got really into, and then going, Oh yeah, I remember all this. Oh, but I'll try and do this differently. But oh, I love this part. Oh yeah, and that leads to that. It's lovely when you forget about things and then come back to them with the freshest face you can. I think that's how those games deserve to be played, is with a full, fresh mind into them and just exploring what you want. Oh my god, I remember Miranda. Do you remember Miranda? Yep, I the remember Miranda. The Australian bitch. <laughs> oh my god. She was... <laughs> Chippered. Like, oh. when you talk with her and you realize how insecure she is, yeah. like, it it actually made her worth the damn, but I hated her at first. Oh, I loved playing with her, because she just, she was so snarky towards people, I loved it. She was just a pure Australian. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my no. God. What a trip yeah, down memory that, lane. That's what gaming's about. Sometimes when you, like, watch those old movies or you played these old games, you just get this great nostalgia trip. And I'm glad to have been experiencing that this week when uh, other things have been a little more rough, rocky for me. Hmm. 
Oh, there's always there's always a game out there for you. That's the that's the beauty of being in this place where there are so many games to play. Like there are so many games to play without new releases because there's just so many games, and it's great diversifying your portfolio, shall we say? Oh, I'm definitely not diversifying my portfolio if I'm playing this. I still have <laughs> many games on my Steam account that I've never actually downloaded, oh, so, and so maybe I need to take a look at that. <laughs> So does everyone. The other games I've been playing, though, and I've been playing more Apex Legends. I'm up to, like, three wins now. Um, still screaming, still terrified. I still can't aim, but I've been getting better and better slowly, mostly with my two, uh, one Kiwi friend and one Australian friend I play with. We've been doing well together and getting better. Um, it still gets the adrenaline going, and I'm not used to that in my games, because uh, I tend to play, like, RPG strategy games. Um some description so yeah it's it's weird though because i don't like shooting games i think the shooting game i've enjoyed the most has been borderlands because it's an rpg at its core um but i am enjoying this a lot still and it's battle royale and it's the only battle royale i've really enjoyed so i'm quite happy about it i i guess i strangely fell off just because i haven't been uh on at times when my friends have been playing and I really just want to play with a three-man squad. Oh, we could try to do that today, scared. my dude. <laughs> I'm scared of the randoms. We'll do that today if you if you want to play something tonight. Uh, I have so much to do with like some <laughs> other games that I don't want to promise you oh, and put I'll, it on the air I'll that I around. ditched you. Not happening. No, I'll be around, mate, if you want to play some. Because I'll probably end up playing okay. some tonight. It's good. Awesome. It's easy. You just drop in, drop out. That's that's that. I think that's why these battle royale games are so popular because it's the old Hearthstone thing of oh, it's just a fifteen minute game instead of like an hour of something like League of Legends. Now it's like oh, if I want to end it, I can just go get myself killed <laughs> strategically. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, the other game, the final game I've really been playing is I've tried to actually get into Smash Ultimate Online, and so I had to pick a main character. So I went through a couple of tier lists and saw that Solid Snake, the guest character from Brawl, is pretty good at the moment. And I like him. I like that he's a protection-based character. I like that he's fairly simple to get into and he's got some unique qualities. Um, it's been really good. I've had a lot of really fun games actually trying to get into the strategy of it, like doing air air attacks and sort of figuring out how that works and spacing with just one character as opposed to just playing random characters to see what they do. It's been really good. It reminds me of when I get into games properly and start to discover the mechanics and nuances. It's been good because Snake is... He's got a lot of moves that hit really hard and they only hit once, which is beautiful because <laughs> um, there's no flashy combos or anything. It's just... Watching your spacing, throwing projectiles properly, and then landing good hits. Uh, the only problem is his his fucking butt has been nerfed to oblivion. It's now just like a block from the bottom of his spine to his legs. There's nothing. <laughs> He's notoriously had a huge ass. Okay, that's all I'm saying. In all of his games. He's, he's been dummy thick, I think is the expression. I see. <laughs> No, no ass, but his skills are pretty good, so, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> Got a good resume. There you go. Oh. I have not played Smash in the longest time. I, it was one of those deceptive games, much like a lot of Nintendo games, where it's like, oh yeah, this is all light and hearted and everything, yeah. and then there is a huge meta on it. That's and exactly I got what it is. pretty... I got pretty deep into, like, you know... uh Smash Brothers Melee on the N64 back in the day. But beyond that, I haven't been going so nuts. Or no, that was the GameCube that Game one was on. GameCube, yes. That's yes. the one with Luigi's with... Mansion on it. <laughs> and uh, wave, wait, is it wave jumping? Wave hopping? Oh, that's the weird glitch jumping that you thing. had to master. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's... That's the cool thing about these types of games. Like Smash, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to try and get into it, but if I'm too bad and don't want to learn, I'll just save it as that game point I have guests around and they like games, because it's perfect. 
Because people just play peach and like throwing turnips. I mean, that's how <laughs> I play. Play Wii Fit Trainer and just do press-ups. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think that about wraps up the episode. Anything else you wanted to add, Manny? No, no. That is everything for now. And uh, we are now into March. As we get close to E3, I suspect that we're going to start hearing snippets of stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing what new offerings are going to be coming out. That's going to be a juicy week. I can't wait for E3, uh, especially with Sony not being there. I think that's going to be very interesting. That That is so bizarre all the same. Well, not like they have the resources dwindling that they can't go, but there must be a big reason. Tinfoil hat on. Tinfoil hat for sure. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. This week, guys, this has been your two gents on Gent. <laughs> I don't know what how to word it. It's not new anymore. Remember that. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.